0: So I'm going to take a moment just to pray for the message and also pray for our offering. This is the time where we usually give our tithes and offerings, and this is for those who call High Point home. If you're visiting, please do not feel compelled to give. We're just happy that you guys are here hanging out with us, so would you pray with me? Father, we, uh, we just thank you that you have given us a hope and a home. We thank you for this building. We thank you for this congregation, but we thank you most of all for who you are and what you have done for us. We pray that you would bless these offerings that are given today, whether it's given electronically or with an offering in a basket in the back, Lord God. We pray that this would just be another way to bring glory to your name and that you would use it, Lord God, to continue to advance your kingdom here on earth. We love you and we give you praise, Lord. Amen. So I get the privilege of uh, closing out Thessalonians, uh, 1 Thessalonians this week. Uh, we'll be closing it out, and then just going right into Second Thessalonians next week. But uh, it's an it's an exciting it's a it's an exciting and it's a hopeful chapter there or um, verses that we're going to be in today. And uh, the the interesting thing though is that. We don't see this, but we come to understand that these verses that are written here, they have to do with the fact that the Thessalonians, they had some serious questions that Paul is going to be addressing here. And these are questions that are going to be able to hit home to us personally, but in the end it's all about hope. But to get into it, I was kind of thinking of a question for, myself, uh, uh, for us to kind of relate here, and I think it's something that we can all uh, identify with, and it's have you ever been in a situation? Have you ever taken on something and you were super excited to get involved in it? And then there was like that twist that happened, And then you were suddenly saying, yeah, I'm not so sure if this is really for me. I'm not sure if this is what I signed up for. And, and it could be anything. It could be a job where you, were, you thought it was a job of your dreams. You signed up for it and it's going all good. And then all of a sudden your boss is asking you to do other things that you weren't thinking were part of the job description. And you're saying, uh, oh, I'm not sure if this is what I signed up for. Uh, it could be relationships. Maybe you were in a relationship. I put this to the the teenagers who were here, the first uh, two services, and saying, yeah, maybe, you know, you thought you'd go out with that boy or that girl, and you're thinking they're so dreamy, and then you're like, yeah, that's, yeah, then I found out a little something. That's just not for me. Well, I, I thought of it this way. I thought of uh, being a parent. And people would be like, wait, you thought about being a parent? I'm like, yeah, actually, I did, because, when we were having Caitlin, our first, uh, firstborn, I was all excited. I'm like, I'm going to be a dad. I can't wait to be a dad. It's going to be so exciting. Well, then she came, and you can see me. I don't exactly look excited. <laughs> I am thinking, oh, my sweet Jesus, what did I just get myself into? I am not ready for this. I wasn't. But, you know, whoever is, Right? But I love my daughter. I love being a dad. But there was a moment I'm like, man, I'm not sure if this is what I signed up for. Like, you know, I want to be a dad, but this, this is, is, is this what it is? Like, I'm not sure. And I think we've all been in that situation before. And the Thessalonians were in the same situation. The difference though between their situation and mine is that the twist for me was life. Life was born, and I was like, (gasps) what am I going to do? But for the Thessalonians, it was death. See, they had this big question. And it came with the idea, uh, we don't know where this came from, but the Thessalonian believers, they were thinking that Jesus was coming back like right away. Paul had told them about Jesus, they had accepted Jesus, they were following Jesus, and they were expecting him to like walk through the door any moment now. I guess they had the idea that Jesus, when he went back up into, uh, into heaven, when he ascended, that they were thinking he's just going up to kind of like, you know, clean up the mansion a little bit. You know, just dust, put the, the, um, the breath mints on the pillows, and he's coming right back down. But it didn't happen. We know it didn't happen because it's 2024, and Jesus still has not returned. But they're really concerned because since they thought that Jesus was coming back right away, they're like, what happened, what's going to happen with our loved ones who have died? And that's something we can really all relate with because we will all face death at some point, whether it be our own death, which will inevitably come, or the death of a loved one, which we will also face at some um, point in our lives. And so they're really, they're concerned about this because in their thinking, they were following Jesus, and and because their loved ones are no longer there, it's like, if Jesus comes back, is Jesus going to treat them differently? Or because they died, are they not going to get the same benefits that those who are still alive will receive from Jesus? And they were genuinely concerned about this. And this makes sense because they were Greek believers. They were Roman believers. And so before that, they had Roman beliefs. And the Roman belief and the Roman idea of death was very different. There was not a lot of hope at all when it came to the Roman belief system. In fact, there was one thing I was reading. It said that there was a little bit of a, a hope of like that you could come back as something paper thin, almost like shadows where the undead or something like that. And I'm not talking about zombies here. Maybe undead is not the right term. But, but like, you know, you're, you're just kind of like this, this thin little ghost or something. But it really wasn't much to have hope in. And so they're putting their hope in Jesus, but Jesus not returned. And so Paul is trying to address this and tell them, hey, it's going to be okay let me explain to you how Jesus is going to work all this out. So we're going to see this. If you want to open your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting at verse 13. Thessalonians in New Testament right after Colossians and before 2 Thessalonians. So you can turn there to your Bible, your Bible app, and I'm going to start reading a couple verses and see what Paul has to say. And I also want to just preface it with this. Last service, I almost lost it. And you guys, you're the last service, so I don't have anything holding me back. All right, so just just be prepared. I don't know where the Holy Spirit's going to lead, but I'm just, I'm just kind of giving you that fair warning right now, okay, guys? Because this is a fun. This is one of the funnest, I don't know if that's a word, yeah, the funnest messages I've been able to give in a long time. So just get ready. Let's read. Verse 13 and verse 14, we're going to read these. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. All right, so let's see what Paul is saying here. First, I want to address what he is talking about with grief. He says, You're not supposed to grieve like those who have no hope. There's a difference between grief and there's a difference between hopeless grief. See, as Christians, we're still going to grieve. And I know that there's some in this church, I was actually talking to someone in the first service, who are still grieving because you have lost loved ones, people who are really dear to your hearts. The thing is, though, is that we have hope that we will see them again. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to grieve. You should still cry. You should still weep. The Bible even says, grieve with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. And of course we're going to grieve for them because we miss them. We miss their physical presence. But we are able to grieve with hope. I have been to funerals here in which there are psalms that are being read. There's worship music. The, The person's favorite worship song is being performed. And people are crying, but they're also praising God because they know that we have a hope in Jesus Christ. We have a hope in a resurrection that is to come. But then you compare that to a funeral in which somebody doesn't know Jesus. And there is that feeling of loss. There is that feeling of confusion. There is that feeling of hopelessness because they don't really know for sure what is to come. Maybe they've heard of Jesus. Maybe they believe in God, Maybe they, but they don't really know who he is. Maybe they don't believe at all. And, and it's a very different thing. You've probably been to one of these where it's like, it is dark, but Jesus brings us light. There is light in this hope that we have. And so Paul's trying to tell us, like, hey, don't worry. The, your, your friends and loved ones who have died, God's got a plan for them. God has got this. And here's how we know it, because he says in verse 13, concerning those who are asleep. Paul is using his words for a specific reason. And this idea of asleep is not something that is, um, is, is just that Paul uses. This is a cultural term that has been used in all different cultures. And we even still use today to reference death. But here's the thing. When he says asleep, he's saying that because what comes after you sleep? You wake up. And that is the hope right there that he is implying when he uses the word of sleep, that there is an awakening after sleeping. There is a life after death. That is what Jesus does in our lives because he is the God of the living, not the God of the dead. He brings dead things back to life. But Paul also challenges them when he says this in verse 14. He says, since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, Now maybe if you're using a different version, maybe you're using, you see in your Bible, it says, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And that's actually the better translation is the word if. If we believe. So let me ask you, do you believe that Jesus died and rose from the grave? There's a story in the Bible here that I absolutely love that has to do with this word if. And it shows that sometimes we believe it, but we still struggle. Like, yeah, I, I, I believe with my lips, but I can, it's hard to transfer it to the heart sometimes. And it's one of my favorite persons in the Bible. He actually doesn't have a name. I just call him Dad. And so Dad, in Mark chapter 9, he has a son who is demon-possessed. And this demon keeps on trying to throw him into the fire and into the water to try and drown him or to try and burn him, basically to kill him. And so Dad brings his son to the disciples because Jesus is up on a mountain at this time. He's not with his uh, disciples. He says, hey, can you heal him? And so they're praying over him, and nothing is happening. And then there's, like, this argument and all. And Jesus comes down the mountain. And he's like, hey, what's going on? And so dad goes over to Jesus. And, and this is the, and we pick up this conversation in verse 23. Or sorry, I'm going to go to 22. It says, many times has thrown him into a fire or water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Catch this right there one more time. But if you can do anything. Then Jesus said to him, I love this. If you can, other versions would say, if I can, everything is possible to the one who believes. I've heard it said this way, that when Jesus is saying that if I can, he's, he's more like this. He's like, you talking to me? You talking to me? If I can? Have you heard what I have been doing lately, walking around town, healing the sick, raising the dead, performing miracles? If I can, who do, do you know who you're talking to? You're talking to God himself, if I can. Of course I can. I'm in the business of raising the dead back to life. Your son, that's not a problem for me. That's not difficult for me, if I can. Yes, he did rise from the grave. He did die, and he did rise again, not by your power, not by, 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 by my power, by anyone else's power, by the power of God, by his own power. And we're not talking about a fairy tale, here people. We are talking about history. We are talking about something that really did happen. That little boy was really healed. Jesus really did die, and Jesus really did die three days later. So much so, people are like, well, what's the evidence for this? Well, I'll put it to you this way. We've got all these different arguments saying, oh, well, you know, Jesus just, um, he, he fainted on the cross. That's one theory. Uh, Jesus' disciples, they, they stole his body from the grave There's even another theory out there that says Oh, well, there's the mass hypnosis theory That everybody was so mesmerized That they all kind of came under the same hypnotic spell and I'm not going to go deep into all of these things But there are answers against all of those things But it shows that there were all of these You know, attempts to explain away Because it really did happen That grave was really empty we have a hope in Jesus Christ. We have a hope, therefore, for the dead. Paul goes on; he continues in verse um, in verse fifteen. Read a little bit more here. For we say this to you by revelation from the Lord: we who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly have no advantage over those who have fallen asleep. So Paul is saying a plain as day here. He's like. This is the plan of Jesus. If someone died before Jesus comes back, he's going to be treated just the same as if Jesus comes right now, and we are all here, and he walks through those doors. doesn't make a difference whether you were a believer 500 years ago, five minutes ago, or you're alive right now. Jesus is coming back for all of his people, and he will treat them all the same. We go on. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. There's some stuff in here. And there's some stuff in here, and I'm just going to preface this first. Some people are already focusing on one particular verse. They're like, oh, what's Stephen going to say about this? Can't wait to hear his theology here. We'll get to that in just a second. But first, verse 16 is when things start to get really exciting. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. with with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. Some theologians have said these are three distinct things that are all going to happen. Others have said this is Paul's way of just emphasizing that it's going to be such a sound that everyone will hear it. It won't be like, hey, you turn on CNN and you hear that like in some other country Jesus has appeared there. It's going to be like a lightning bolt that you see that is so bright, so loud, that we see it right here, and it's seen states away at the same time. Everyone will see that Jesus is returning. But here's where it really gets cool. That word shout. That word shout in the Greek is this word keliousma. And what it really means is it means an order that is being given. It's a command that would be given by an officer to his troops. And so this shout, because it says that the dead will rise first. This is not a Jesus coming and be like, hey, I'm here. This is dead. Come back to life. He speaks to the graves and he says, come back. And the dead are risen back to life. It takes me woo it out, guys. It's gonna get. It's gonna get more. Get excited. Get ready. We go to Ezekiel. I want to get in here. Ezekiel 37. Maybe you know this story of the Valley of the Dry Bones. This is a prophecy here, and God is talking to Ezekiel. And he's saying prophecy to this Valley of Death. There's nothing alive here, and this is what happens. Verse seven. So I prophesied as I had been commanded. While I was prophesying, there was a noise, a shout. A rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. As I looked, tendons appeared on them, flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. He said to me, Prophecy to the breath, prophesy, Son of Man, say to it, This is what the Lord God says Breath, come from the four winds, and breathe into these slain, so that they may live. This is me. This is me right here. Okay, this is, this is a story. This is, this is a vision that Ezekiel is getting. This isn't a physical activity that is happening, but this is me. Because if you don't believe that God can bring the dead back to life, I'm standing here right now to say, yes, he can, because I was once dead, and now I am alive. I was once without Jesus. I was once without hope. I was once without care for myself and care for others or anything else. And then I met Jesus and my life was transformed. Yeah, I saw that I was a sinner. I saw that it was a terrible thing. But I also saw that the forgiveness of sin, I am made new. And Jesus changed my life. But yes, that is just a story, okay? You want a little bit more? Let me tell you another one. The parable of the prodigal son. These are Jesus' words himself. And the son, he's like, hey, I don't want to be around you, dad. Just give me my money. I'm out of here. I want to live my own way. I want to live a filthy, stinking life. And then he comes to his senses after he runs out of money. He's like, I had it so good. I was wrong. I need to come back to my father who represents God. And he comes back, and and the father sees him a long way off, and he runs to him, and he forgives him. He's been waiting for him, and then he comes back. He brings his son back, and he goes to a servant, and he says to his servants, he says this. He says, go get the fatted calf and slay it, because we're going to party tonight. And the servant says, why? And he's like, because my son, and Jesus doesn't mince words. He chooses his words specifically. He says, my son was dead, and now he is alive. He is alive. Jesus brings the dead back to life. But that's just a story. You want a little bit more evidence? I told you, these stories in the Bible, these, this is history. Let's talk about Lazarus. John 11, he was dead. He was really dead. He was in the tomb for at least three days. He was deader than dead. Jesus said, roll away the stone. And then what did he do? He used that word, that keleusma, with a shout and a command. He said, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out walking. The dead came back to life. We've got it again. Luke 7, the widow's son. The widow had one son. There's a funeral and Jesus stops the buyer and he puts his hands on it and all of a sudden the dead son goes, (gasps) and gets up. We've got my daughter right there. My favorite story. Mark 4, Jairus' daughter is dead And and Jesus says, don't worry have faith she's not dead she's just sleeping and so jesus goes up to her and he says and this is where she gets her name from he says talitha kumai and the little girl goes (gasps) and breathes life again as he says little girl get up talitha kumai and then the best one and probably the most important one of all but not the last one in luke chapter 24 there's a couple of women who are going to visit a tomb because jesus is dead And they get there and they're like, who's going to roll away the tomb? Who's going to roll away the stone? And it's already been rolled away. Who did it? I don't think anybody did it. But they peek in and there's nobody there. And then they look out and there's these angels. And the angels say to them, What are you doing here? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Jesus is alive. We need to remember this. We need to get excited about this. We have a God who brings the dead back to life. This is our gospel right here. This is our amazing story. There is no other story in this world. There is no other religion. There is no other faith where the dead come back to life like this. It's only by the power of God that it happens. Now change gears real quickly here address something that some people are still wondering about, saying, okay, that sounds good, but I really want to hear what, you, what I want to hear here, and okay, I'm going to get to it. 4.17, then we who are still alive will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. This verse right here, these words will be caught up together. This is where, you, maybe you've heard this word before, this is where you get the word rapture. The rapture that is going to happen and maybe you've heard this that supposedly at the end times God is going to make a shout Jesus is going to shout there's going to be a trumpet and then all of a sudden those who believe in him are just going we're just going to be gone and we've seen movies you've read the books of left behind and all the clothes are left behind and we're all like if it happens right now we're just all going to disappear and we're suddenly going to be naked before Jesus you guys excited for that sound pretty good now here's the deal Here's what I have to say about that. Nothing. I'm not going to address it. Yes, there are verses and uh, people get into this verse and they talk like, oh, am I pre-trib, am I post-trib, am I mid-trib, am I amillennial, am I premillennial? But that's not what Paul was getting at here. Paul was not writing these verses so that we could talk deeply about the end times. Paul wrote this to give us And the hope, and it's wrapped up in what he says here in verse 18, therefore encourage one another with these words. The main thrust of of Thessalonians 4.17 is not that we meet the Lord in the air, but that all believers together shall meet the Lord, never to be separated from him. That is what we need to focus in on here. He's coming back. He's going to come back. I don't know when, I don't know how, but I do know that he's coming back, and that is good enough for me. Now, just to give a little shame, shameless plug here, it is interesting to talk about the end times. I'm not saying you can't, I'm not saying you shouldn't. We actually have a class coming up led by one of our elders, Dwight Anderson. If this is something that you are interested in, we're not going to talk about it here, but you can do take that class and you can explore what the end times are all about and understand a few of the different views. So, if you're interested, scan that QR code, go ahead and sign up for that class. But I tell you sign up. If you're interested, sign up because this is a popular topic. A lot of people have been asking for it, so I imagine the class is going to fill out fast. So that's there for if you want to know a little bit more. What we've just talked about here is the understanding part. Understanding that God has a plan for those who have died and those who are still alive and how that is going to be affected when Jesus returns. But then we have to go into the part that none of us want to do, and that's the waiting. All right, so Jesus coming back. That's great. What are we supposed to do in the meantime? Well, Paul gives us some instructions and some ideas of what to do in uh, chapter 5. About the times and the seasons, brothers, you do not need anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. When they say peace and security, then sudden destruction comes on them. Like labor pains come on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers, are not in the dark For this day to overtake you like a thief, for you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness, so then we must not sleep like the rest, but we must stay awake and be serious. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, we must be serious and put on the armor of faith and love on our chests. And put on a helmet of the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, like you were already doing. These are Paul's words to us of what we should do while we are to wait. Just look back at a little more in detail here. Verse 2, it says, The day of the Lord comes like a thief in the night. Jesus, when people asked him, When is the return of the Lord going to happen? He said, Even I don't know. Only the Father knows the day or the hour of when Jesus is going to return. Maybe you remember this. I think it was about, I don't know, like 15, 10, 15 years ago or so. I was still living over in New Jersey at that time. And uh, there was a, a pastor who had figured out the code and had said Jesus is coming back on this day. And he was so serious about it. He was preaching about it. And there were people who believed it. And there were people who actually, they had went and they had, um, they had emptied their kids' college funds. They would stopped paying their mortgages. They stopped working, and they just went through their savings and went on cruises and did whatever they want. And what happened when that day came? Jesus... Still waiting. We're still waiting on him. And yet, they had no more college funds. Their mortgage was now in default. They they didn't have a job anymore. We don't know when he's coming back. He could come back while I am still talking right now, or it could be in our grandkids' time. We don't know. We know that the signs are there of the end times, but we don't know for sure. So the point is this. We need to to live like he is coming back tomorrow. We We need to be ready like he is coming back tomorrow. But we also need to live like he's coming back after that. Be prepared. Are you prepared in your heart that if Jesus comes back, that you are right with God? Do you understand that it is about forgiveness of sins and putting him in his place on the throne and saying, you are God and I am not and therefore I need to repent. And if you haven't done that, you need to do that because he could be here at any moment. But let's continue to live as if tomorrow is still going to happen, which means work, which means talk, which means love. And that's the, you know, that, that, that's just the crux right there. Let's continue to live our lives for Jesus at that point. In verse 3, Paul says here, he says, When they say peace and security, then sudden destruction comes on them. We need to be aware. This world is trying to tell us everything is okay. If we just pass one more law, then everything is going to be right. If everyone could just be tolerant of one another, then everything would be just fine. We don't need God. We can fix it ourselves. Let me ask you we've been trying to fix ourselves for quite a long time now. Has it worked? Has it gotten better? And there's some good stuff that's happening in this world. I'm not trying to say that everything is pitiful and terrible and we should just like you know live in a commune away from the world. I'm not saying that, no. We'll address that in a moment. But let's not give in to the lie that everything is okay. We need to live our lives for Jesus and live it with the hope that he has given to us. And then Paul says in verse 6, So then we must not sleep like the rest, but we must stay awake and be serious. Jesus gave this parable, parable of the the ten bridesmaids. And he says that in this parable, there were ten bridesmaids and they were waiting for the groom to come. And this was a kind of typical of the Jewish culture because when a wedding would happen, it would happen at night. And the groom-to-be would be in his home, and when it was time, he would go with his party, and he'd go over at night to his bride, and then they would get married but they didn't know what time he was coming. And so here he comes, and these bridesmaids are just waiting, and they're waiting, and they don't know when he's coming. And finally he shows up. He knocks on the door. He's like, hey, let's get going. Well, half of them were ready. The other half were not ready. They didn't have any oil in their lamp, and so they didn't have any light. And so they're saying to the ones who were right, hey, give us some of your oil so we can go. And they said, no, if we give you oil, then we won't have enough for ourselves. Go start knocking on some doors to get some oil. And so they're knocking on doors, and they're trying to get some oil, but it's too late the groom and the bridesmaids have already left. And those five who were not ready, and I I hate to use a, a cliche cheesy term, they were left behind. Don't be sleeping. Be active in your faith. And that brings us to the action steps that Paul has given to us as we wrap up here. One, he's saying this is don't get lazy with your faith. Don't be asleep and don't be drunk. Take it seriously. Continue to get to know this hope that we have. Continue to get to know the one who brings the dead back to life. And on top of that, be serious about your faith. Don't take it for granted. Put it this way in the first, uh, uh, first services, and I'm going to say it again here. I'm just going to be very blunt. When you come to church, why do you come to church? Do you come here because you like the music? It's good music. Do you come here because you love the way Kevin preaches? He's a great man. Do you come here because you have a lot of friends? Do you come here because your family comes here and it's the tradition? Those things are not bad. But if that's why you are here, you're missing it. You are missing who God really is and who He wants to be in your life. Take your faith seriously. Dive deeper in. Get to know Him, but on His terms, not on yours. Paul then also says, But you, brothers, are not in the dark, for you are all sons of light and sons of the day. Be light. We need to be light to one another. Jesus says this in Matthew 5. He says, you are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill. You need to to let your light shine forth so that all men will see it and will bring glory to God. We need to go and be the light. We are the ones who have the hope. We are the ones who believe in a God who brings dead things back to life. And there are people who need to know that. I have, I said this in the first service, I've been put to shame recently. I was put to shame uh, with my own words because as I'm thinking about being light, my, my daughter, my older daughter, Caitlin, the one that you saw in the picture up there, she had this moment not too long ago. And, and she came to me, she's like, I feel like I need to tell pop-up, her grandfather, my dad, about Jesus. And, and I'm just, I'm like looking at this girl, I'm like, man, I haven't told my dad about Jesus in years. I did when I first became a Christian, and I've kind of just given up. And here is my little girl, and she's like, I, 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 this is what she told me. She's like, I'm afraid that he's going to die and that we won't be together in heaven when I go there, and I don't want that to happen. And, and I, was like, I was just blown away by that. She's like, what do I do? I said, why don't you write him a letter? She wrote him a four-page letter. I couldn't believe it. And she's all nervous and everything. She's all, you know, teenager type and everything. But she's being light. And I'm up here just being a preacher. That's nothing. She's the light. She's who God wants to really, wants us to really, really be. And then lastly, Paul said it once. He said it twice. Verse 11, he says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. We need to encourage each other. When was the last time you said to somebody, Hey, Jesus is coming back? In fact, let's, let's try that. Turn to someone next to you and just tell them, Say, Jesus is coming back. Yeah, yep. I, I, I hear it and I see it just like the first two services. When I told you guys to do it, everybody turned and I said, Jesus is coming back. <laughs> and, and we got a little like, This is so weird. This is this is this is just weird. But it's our hope. And it's what we need to be saying. We need to continue to be saying it. Practice it here. When you're leaving, tell everyone you can right here, Jesus is coming back. Let it be the words that are on your lips more than anything else. And the next thing you know, you're going out to eat and you didn't even mean it. But like the waitress says, Can I have your order? You say, Jesus is coming back. I'm like, what? And she's looking like, What? You're crazy. Well, maybe this world just needs a little bit of crazy. Maybe this world just needs a little bit of us stepping out and being the light and bringing that hope to people who don't have hope. Because I'm not willing to give up on this world yet. And I don't think God is either. Until he comes back, we still have the opportunity to bring hope to everyone and everyone that we possibly can. And that hope is that Jesus is Returning. The one who brings the dead back to life is returning. And the one who brings the dead back to life is still functioning and working here and now through his Holy Spirit. Is he working that in you? Because every time I read this, this is the third time going through, and every time I just get a little more excited. I got hope. And I'm excited for what's to come. I hope you do too. Let's pray. Father, we praise your name. You are our hope. You are our living hope, Father God. There's no one like you. No one else can do what you do. No one else can bring the dead back to life. I pray that this day, if there is any who are dead here, dead in their sins right now, that they would come alive in you by coming to you, repenting and turning from sins and wicked ways and being able to just be filled by your spirit so they can live life anew. Father, would you put your words on our lips so that we go out and we will be saying things we never thought we'd ever say before and just carry your hope into this world. Oh, Lord, we love you. We praise you, Lord. Amen.